This program is a part of the Full Press Radio Network. Find this and all of Full Press Coverage's shows on fullpressradio.com or free on the Full Press Coverage app, available now on the Apple and Google Play stores. This is Amy Trask, and you are listening to Ira and Clark on the iTest for Tip. Welcome to this week's I Test for Two podcast. I'm Clark Judge. I'm Ira Kaufman. And we are both Hall of Fame voters, as I hope you know by now. And we're joined, as usual, by our Hall of Fame producer, Ian Glendon. But that's not all. We've got a very, very special guest with us today. One of the members of the Hall's Class of 2021. And I'm talking about former Raiders and Packers star defensive back, Charles Woodson. And Ira, I'll be honest, when I would go into Green Bay, the first guy I looked for in that locker room wasn't the quarterback. It wasn't. I'd go to the other side of the room where Al Harris and Charles Woodson were dressing. And the reason was simple. They were smart. They knew what you were looking for. And they were really, really good at what they did. Charles Woodson, thanks for the time then. And thanks for the time today. Thanks for joining us. And congratulations on reaching Canton. Thank you, man. I, I appreciate it. And I didn't know that there was somebody that looked for me before they looked for the quarterback. So that's good to know. <laughs> <laughs> good, good reason. You could fill a notebook, Charles. You were a great player and you were a great interview. Um, quick question for you right off the bat. Uh, you were, as yeah. everyone knows, one of three finalists to make it this year in terms of the Hall of Fame in your first year of eligibility. Of course, Peyton Manning and Calvin Johnson were the others. Is that something that players in general consider special or significant? In other words, does it really matter if you're first ballot, fifth ballot, or 10th ballot? Um, you know, I think that I, I, would, I would say I, I don't think it, it really matters, you know, once you're in. You know, I think it, I think it is kind of, you know, for the guys who are, who are first ballot, you know, it's kind of like a badge of honor, you know, because, I mean, you know, five years out, you're in. Um, but I know if I if I talk to if I was to talk to Tim Brown today, you know he would say, "Man, Charles, I don't care how long I had to wait, I'm in the Hall of Fame, and it was it was worth every moment." You know, so um, yeah, I think it's you know there's something to being first ballot, but I think for anybody that's in the Hall, I don't think they care when they got there; they just have they're glad that they're in. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned Tim Brown. I had that very conversation with him several years ago, and he told me the exact same thing. Um, I didn't, I didn't mention your credentials, and I'll go down them right now. I mean, you are Defensive Rookie of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, nine-time Pro Bowler, eight-time All-Pro, first-team All-Decade member, Super Bowl champion, and now, of course, a first-ballot Hall of Famer. Is this the most important achievement of your career? And if it is, why? 
is this the most important? I mean, that's uh, man, that's a, that's a really tough question. I, I would say that the most important um, accomplishment of, of my career revolves around team. You know, when you think about what you play the game for, you really play the game, you know, to win games, to get to the playoffs, and to win the Super Bowl. So I would, I would say my highest achievement really, you know, comes from that team aspect and being able to play on a team that was able to put it together, you know, for a full season and then go and punch it in and make it count, you know, the last game of the season, which would be the Super Bowl. So, you know, winning the Super Bowl to me was everything. I feel like, you know, anytime I touched the field, that was the reason why, you know, I went out there and played the game the way I did because I was just trying to get to a championship. Um, I feel like with the Hall of Fame, the Hall of Fame is, is sort of like, um, you know, the, the 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 validation, you know, for the way that you played the game, you know, and how well you played the game. Um, so it's like, it's more like the icing on the cake. Um, so is it important? And I, I'm not trying to, of course, devalue making it to the Hall of Fame, but it was it was the championship and winning the Super Bowl, uh, what was most important to me. It's the one thing I knew that when I retired, man, if I hadn't won a Super Bowl, then I wouldn't feel like my career was fulfilled. Um, but of course, the, the 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 Hall of Fame is like that icing on the cake, man. It just brings it all together. Charles, I think the hallmark of your career, Charles, was your versatility, the sacks, the interceptions, touchdowns, tackles. Charles, along those lines, I'm going to ask you about a guy that's uh, very dear to the people here in Florida, and that's Rondé Barber. Charles, did you enjoy watching Barber play, and uh, what what'd you think of his career? Yeah, Barber was, uh, you know, you, you mentioned versatility. He was definitely, you know, one of those guys um, that, that's going to be in that conversation as, as, you know, the most versatile, you know, defensive backs in the game. You know, he was a guy that you know, he, he excelled in the slot. Um, you know, he, he could play him on the outside. He was a guy that was always around the football. You know, he's got his fair share of touchdowns and sacks, you know, as well as I do. And, you know, I, I just don't think it's going to be, you know, very long, you know, before he's in the Hall of Fame as well. So a lot of respect for Rondé and his career and what he was able to do and did it for a long time. Charles, in 2012, well into your career, um, you know, you kind of switched from the corner to safety. Um, Charles, was that your idea? What what was uh, what was the thinking behind that? Well, you know, it's funny, man. It's just sometimes that's the way, uh, you know, you kind of get casted into a certain, you know, position. And uh, it, it had come to a point that when, you know, I, I you know, kind of, um, you know, towards the end of my career, um, I remember um, – you know, friend of mine and teammate Nick Collins got hurt. And then I spent a little bit more time that last year playing safety for the Packers. And then, you know, once, once I was a free agent, you know, that's kind of what teams were looking at me as. It, it was a safety and, and it wasn't a corner anymore. So it was kind of, you know, myself saying, okay, you know, this is what you guys see me as. I'm fine with that because I feel like I could play anywhere on the field. So it, 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 it kind of became a challenge to me. Um, when I when I signed back with the Raiders and signed as a safety to go out there and try to build myself into being the best safety in the game. We're speaking with Hall of Famer Charles Woodson, class of 2021. And Charles, as I mentioned earlier, you played for both the Raiders and the Packers. You just mentioned that as well. 
what was the biggest adjustment from going from the Raiders to the Packers? Uh, the biggest adjustment? Um, I just think it was uh, probably just the, 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 the city feel, you know, that you have kind of there in, in Oakland and kind of that, that, you know, that metropolitan feel, you know, because, you know, Oakland is surrounded by a lot of, um, you know, different towns and then San Francisco is right there. So you kind of have like a, you know, melting pot of a, of a lot of different people. Um, and so leaving from there and then going to, you know, a small market, you know, which kind of reminded me of, you know, where I came from, you know, I came from a small town, um, Green Bay is, you know, a little bit, a little bit bigger than where I came from, but you had that, that small town feel, um, and kind of like that, you know, it was like a high school atmosphere because you got the stadium right there smack dab in the middle of the town and you know you got people driving in and, and parking in um you know other people's driveways and things like that so I just think it was you know going from you know kind of that feel um and then kind of going back to uh kind of like that that small town you know everybody knows each, uh, everybody kind of kind of feel well since you alluded to it I also wanted to ask you the difference between the two fan bases, they're both passionate, both passionate fan bases, but you've got Raider Nation and you've got the Packers fans. So in your mind, when you think about it, what's the biggest difference other than, for instance, the black holes in one place and the cheese heads in the other, or the team colors, that sort of thing. The biggest difference between Raider Nation and Packers fans. I think, the, you know, with, with the Packers, you know, I think the Packers are, uh, in my opinion, they're a little more lively, you know, than, uh, Packers fans, you know, a lot of times you could, you know, you'd be in a Packers game and it'd be, um, you know, just quiet. You know, I remember being hurt one year, um, sitting on the sideline and our team was out playing and I think we were playing uh, Jacksonville. And I mean, it was just, I don't know if it was because of the opponent we were playing or what it was, man, but it was just, it was dead in there. And I turned around to the fans and, and I was like raising my hands like, get up, let's go. And everybody was like looking at me like they didn't even know who I was. You know what I'm saying? I had street clothes. I had street clothes on. And I, was, I think they were looking at me like, who is this crazy dude on the sideline, man? What is he talking about? And and uh, with, with with Oakland, man, you know they're you know they're a little different, man. I mean they they uh, they are excited, you know, all the time, man, and and they're always letting you know, you know, that they're in the stands. You don't have to so, tell me. I covered the 49ers. I was in the Bay Area, so I'd go over there every so often. And they were a lot different. They weren't a little different. They were a lot different. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Charles, uh, you, you, you get to the pros in, in 98, Charles, with the Raiders. And, and Tim Brown's on that team. And you talk about, you know, an ultimate professional. And, Charles, three years later, you know, you're still a relatively young player. And, and Jerry Rice arrives um, in, in, in Oakland and, what was it? Uh, what was it like being around those two guys, and 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 what'd you learn about um, how to be a pro from those two guys, Charles? Yeah, you know, I always think about that, man, because that's that's like the the one thing that you know when I got into the league that was 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 mind blowing to me because um, I always tell people it's like you know when you grow up and you're watching you know NFL football, you you never um, you never really imagine yourself like being being on the same team or uh you know playing against those guys because it, it seems so far away you know from you know high school to 
uh, you know, going to the NFL is really going to be a span of like, you know, four to five years, you know, before you, you would, you could have a chance to play in the NFL, but it seems like, you know, years and years apart, but actually it's not that, it's not that big a gap. And then all of a sudden you get, you know, on a team, you know, and you're 21 years old and here's a guy you've been watching on TV for, you know, the last couple of years playing in the NFL. And it's like, holy crap, man. Like I'm actually on the same team, you know, with a guy I've been watching for years, you know, so I get on there and, and I'm on the team with Tim Brown and, you know, I got to line up with him in practice. And, you know, I remember my first practice going against him was, was, um, one on one. And he, he ran a, like a triple move on me or something and, and embarrassed the hell out of me. And I was like, man, this is, this is how, this is how it is, huh? So that was my kind of my break, my breaking in moment, moment right off the bat, you know. And then, you know, here comes a couple of years later, you know, the GOAT, <laughs> Jerry Rice. And it's like, holy cow, I watched this guy in the Super Bowl, you know, catch his plants in the end zone. And, like, I can't believe I'm on, the, I'm on the same team, you know, with this guy. And it was just great to, you know, be around Jerry because, you know, the work ethic that you heard about Jerry from afar, you know, I got to see it up close and that was as real as advertised. So, you know, I got to, I got to play with two guys who were just really professional, you know, about what they did. You know, they came to work every day, you know, to work on their craft and get better. And, you know, you just as a young player, you're just able to kind of watch. Um, you know, you're still young, so you're still, you know, doing your own thing. But you but you always have those guys, you know, kind of looking at them out the corner of your eye, you know, trying to see, you know, what, they, what they're doing. So, uh, I mean, I enjoyed that time, man, with those guys and just learned a lot from them. Charles, in, in, in 2008, you know, it's your third year in Green Bay. You got a good team. And Charles, all, all of a sudden, you got to go through this Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers saga, and you, you didn't know what the heck was going to happen with Favre, and it was a mess. Um, and so this is like during training camp. Um, did you care what was going on? What, what were your feelings at the time about the whole uh, Favre-Rodgers thing? No, I don't think I really cared too much, you know, what was going on. I mean, that they, they had, uh, you know, Brett and, and, and A-Rod, they had their, you know, their relationship that, you know, I guess, you know, started off, uh, you know, a little bit rocky, you know, there when he first got there with, you know, Green Bay drafting a quarterback in the first round and, you know, Brett Favre maybe feeling some kind of way about it. I didn't even care about all that stuff, you know. One thing I knew is I had two good quarterbacks and it didn't really matter which way we went. <laughs> you know what I mean? Cause I got to, I got to line up against Aaron Rodgers in, in, in practice when he was on playing on scout team and, you know, everybody across the board, you know, going against him as a young player, we all knew, you know, when it, whenever it's his time, you know, we're going to be fine. And then on the other hand, if Brett was going to be there, we're going to be fine too. So for us, we knew we had two, you know, top-notch quarterback, so whatever direction that the Packers decided to go, we were going to be fine. So I, I don't think I cared, you know, really one ounce about what was going to happen. With all the fame of Charles Woodson on the eye test for two, and Charles, since Ira led you into that, I will ask you uh, the question about Aaron Rodgers and the saga that's going on now. I'm sure you're aware of it. Um, what's your take on What's happening and, and how it will be resolved, speaking sort of as a historical figure with uh, the Favre-Rogers saga as a backdrop, but that seems to be going on now in Green Bay. And, and you know Aaron Rodgers, you've been in that locker room with him. Do you believe the differences, at least from your perspective, are irreconcilable? Yeah, I just, I just, 
I just think it's funny how things, you know, come full circle. You know, you guys asking about the, you know, the Brett and uh, Aaron Rodgers, you know, years and years ago. And then here we are kind of really in the same boat with Green Bay drafting the quarterback, moving up, you know, to get a quarterback in the first round. When I'm, I'm quite sure, you know, A-Rod is looking at that draft thinking that they could get somebody else that they could put on the offense. Um you know, to, you know, play on the other side of Devontae Adams and just give him a little bit more firepower on the offensive side of the ball. And uh, that didn't happen. And then I look at look at this offseason and all of a sudden their, their center, you know, they let him walk out of there. You know, I'm not sure how close A-Rod was with the center. I'm sure they were probably friends. Of course, they got the, you know, the center quarterback relationship. But, man, here's a guy that played, you know, well for that offensive line and then he's gone as well. So, I just think, you know, A-Rod's kind of looking back, you know, thinking about, you know, the direction. Um, and maybe, you know, they, they don't necessarily have him in mind as far as the future. And, and, and it, well, you know, long-term future. Um, so I think he's just looking at it like, hey, man, if, 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 you know, if you drafted a guy that, you know, in a couple of years, you know, he's going to have to play in my contract. Maybe the, the, the guaranteed money is out in a year or so. And you're gonna, you know, let me walk. Then maybe I, maybe I should walk now. Maybe I should take advantage of, you know, the few years I have left um, in my playing career and try to get out of here now and go play somewhere else. So I can see, I can see that being a trade. I don't, I don't think there's gonna be any shortage of teams that would, you know, maybe have some draft capital, um, a few players on their team that they're willing to part ways with, and, and go out there and get Aaron Rodgers. So I mean, at this point, the way it's looking, I could see him playing for another team this year. Yeah, you also, as I mentioned, you know Aaron Rodgers very well, but you know that organization very well, too. I understand different GM at the time, Ted Thompson, when you were there, but um, it sounds like the Packers are trying to do everything they can to try to patch up the differences between Aaron and, and the front office, but it doesn't seem like that's going to work. And so uh, I just wonder, again, knowing that organization, and I think the organization itself doesn't really change, even though the players in it and the, the participants in the front office do, that the organization's direction doesn't change. Do you think the organization would be willing to sort of say, okay, that's it. Um, we, we will let you go. We'll find a trade for you or put their foot down and say, that's not who we are. I mean, if you want to play for someone else, then you're not going to play and you can go host Jeopardy if you want. Yeah. I mean, I think it comes down to, um, you know, someone making an offer that they can't refuse. You know, I think that's really what I think that's what it really comes down to. They're, they're not going to let him get out of there um, for nothing, you know. So I think this is a situation where you got two sides that are probably, you know, going to dig in and, and somebody's going to somebody's going to have to make a decision. Either A-Rod's going to have to say, you know, buckle down and say, you know what, I'll come into camp. I'll play this year out. And then, you know, after that, you know, whatever happens or maybe. Somebody does come in with that uh, with that draft capital and in 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 a, in a great trade, and the Packers say, you know what, we can't turn that down. You know, A. Rod has been great, but you know we'll we'll see you somewhere else. So it, it's all it's all going to be make for an interesting summer. I can tell you that. That's for sure, <laughs> Charles. I got one more for you. Thanks so much for doing this, Charles. Uh, look, I, I know how much you're looking forward to August, putting that gold jacket on, seeing that bust. Charles, uh, who's going to be your presenter, and are you going in as a Raider or a Packer? 
Yeah, I got I got my uh, presenter narrowed narrowed down um, to a couple of people. Uh, I want I want to announce it quite yet, but uh, I'll be uh, you know making that decision pretty soon. Um, and then as far as going in, I mean, I'm a Packer and a Raider man, so I'm going in as both. You know, there's an, I'm not going to put one over the other, man. I'm going in both both squads. Um, I can't tell my NFL story without both teams. So it's only fitting that I would go in as both. Well, Charles, I don't know if you're aware of it or not, but you're the only person who's going to be presented a jacket that's actually half gold and half silver and black. <laughs> I like that. I'll, I'll take. I'll take it. However it comes, man. I'm gonna put it on. And I'm gonna wear it proudly. I think that. <laughs> Charles, I, I've got two <laughs> last ones for you, and and they'll be quick. Um, first of all, um, you played in both conferences. Who was the quarterback who gave you the most trouble? The quarterback you respected the most. Oh man. Um, I mean, there, there was a couple of them, but I mean, Peyton Manning was. I mean, I, I think that kind of goes without saying. I think, you know, most of the people that you, you play against, um, you know, would say the or people that played against him would, you know, probably say the same thing. Uh, but, you know, him, you know, Tom Brady, of course, and, and, and Drew Brees, um, those guys, man, were just, they were just, they were a cut above. And I think it, it, it shows in the numbers that they put up, yardage wise and touchdowns, man, is that, they always knew exactly where to go with the ball. It seemed like um, if you tipped your hat, you know, or tipped your hand, you know, in the slightest, you know, they were going to pick it up. Um, but it was just, it was, it was fun to go against those guys, man. And uh, that's the reason why they're all time great. And lastly, you've got a gold jacket and you'll be presented uh, with your bust in August. But if you could give a gold jacket and a bust to somebody who's not currently in the Hall of Fame, somebody who's still out there, who would it be? Oh, man. Uh, I, I, I think I would have to... Uh, man, you know, good buddy of mine, he's no, he's no longer with us. Uh, I, I would have to go Cliff Branch. Mm-hmm. I go Cliff Branch, man. I think if you you look at his career, man, and, and what he did, you know, Super Bowls, you know, yardage, he was just as feared as any receiver in the history of this game. Um, and I know he's got a lot of respect around the league. And uh, you know, you just wish he would, you know, uh, would be alive when his when his name is called, you know, for the Hall of Fame. But so I, I'll go Cliff Branch. Full disclosure, Charles, we've asked other people on here the same question. That's a popular response. Oh man, I, I I mean, you look at his body of work, man, and I think you can put it up against pretty much anybody, and it's gonna hold up. Charles Woodson, thanks so much for the time, and we'll see you in Kent in the summer. And also, thanks for the time was you, when you were a player. Really appreciate stopping by your locker. Hey man, thanks a lot, man. Thanks you guys for having me, and uh, like you said, I'll see you in August, man. Let's have a good you time. You got it. You got All it, Charles. Thanks, Charles. Take That's care. Up. Congratulations. Right. Yep. That was Hall of Famer Charles Woodson, class of 2021. And Ira, I'll be honest with you, I was a little bit surprised by his response about the Super Bowl versus the Hall of Fame. I understand it, but that's that's rare when you hear somebody say that. And I thought it was gracious. It tells you a lot about Charles Woodson. And you know what's also telling, Clark? You asked him, he could have picked anybody. He could have said Heinz Ward. He could have. 
who we played against in that Super Bowl, uh, which was a heck of a Super Bowl, the, the, the Green Bay-Pittsburgh Super Bowl uh, 2009 season. And he picked a guy that played in the 70s, Clark. Yeah, right. Now, maybe, maybe because he was a Raider, maybe. But I don't think he would have picked him if he didn't believe in them. And um, Cliff Branch is gathering some serious momentum, Mr. Judge. Serious. As we discovered on this show. Whoa, Ira, that must be Las Vegas Raiders, Los Angeles Raiders, Oakland Raiders fans. I don't know. Raiders fans everywhere cheering that comment. They like it. Either that or cheering the fact that you're back with us with this week's I Was There. So where were you, Ira, and when were you there? Clark, we're going out to the desert. We're going, and I don't, I'm not talking about Saudi Arabia. I'm Vegas? talking about, I'm talking about Glendale, Arizona, my friend. Oh, yeah. Um, January 18th, 2009, NFC championship game. Eagles at Cardinals. Now, Clark, people forget, even though the Cardinals won the game 32-25, they got into the Super Bowl and could have easily beat Pittsburgh without that final fantastic play from Roethlisberger. Yeah. But they were 9-7, and seven, Clark. They were a 9-7 and seven team. They scored 427 points. They gave up 426. They scored one more point uh, than they gave up, and that's why the Eagles were favorite, Clark, on the road. But McNabb did his job, Clark, 375 yards, three touchdowns. However, in the second phase of his career, here comes Kurt Warner, four touchdown passes. But, Clark, here's what I think was the dominant note that came out of that game and, and almost that whole season. The phenomenal postseason run of one Lawrence Fitzgerald. Unstoppable. Unstoppable. Three of those four touchdowns went to Larry Fitzgerald, who caught nine balls, 152 yards, and then Clark in the second half of the Super Bowl in Tampa, which you were probably there. I was. The Steelers, who had a great defense, they could not handle Larry Fitzgerald. Yeah. Couldn't handle it. And, in fact, I think he scored the touchdown that put Arizona on top. Yeah, Clark. he did. Um, so that was the Larry Fitzgerald postseason. And except for one of the great plays in Super Bowl history, Arizona would have been holding up the Lombardi Trophy. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Ira. And I remember watching that game because I was in Pittsburgh watching the AFC Championship game. And, and what I remember from that ball game was thinking – Philadelphia's going to win it, right? Uh, no, they're not. That was their fifth conference championship game in eight years. And I felt great sympathy for Andy Reid because I knew him well, really wanted to see him get back to the Super Bowl. And I thought, that's a great opportunity for him to get back. And he didn't. You know, unfortunately, he didn't. So uh, as we know now, he's gotten back with the Kansas City Chiefs and he's had success. So, um, yeah, that was a great performance by Larry Fitzgerald and by Kurt Warner. Our final thoughts. Well, we're still wondering about this Aaron Rodgers situation. Clark, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out on a limb. Uh, your, sweaty, your sweaty co-host will go out on a limb. And I'm going <laughs> to say, Clark, that they work it out. In the words of John and, and Paul, we can work it out. Clark, Jordan Love's not ready. He's not ready. And I think the Packers are staring at 6-10 and 10 without Mr. Rodgers. He's a prima donna, Clark. He's one of the great ones. But he's a great player, Clark, and that goes a long way. I say throw him some money, 
make them happy and bring them back. Well, I'm glad you referenced John and Paul because Ira, they did say we can work it out, but they didn't. They split, right? And that's what's <laughs> going to happen here. There's no turning back for Aaron Rodgers. No turning back. I say you're wrong on that. Let it be, Cork. Let it be. Let it be. <laughs> I say, help. Help. You know what? We got a dinner at Burns on that one, Ira. Okay? Helter Skelter. He's staying, baby. <laughs> oh my Ira, tell people where they can find you on Twitter, especially if they want to hear some more Beatles references. At iCalfman76, Clark. How about you, Ian? It's at IGLEN31. And I am at at Clark Judge TOF and Ian, tell them where they can find all of us. Of course, that's at the I test for two, all letters, no numbers. All right, and Ira, you can tell them what happens if we don't hear from them. You're going to hear from us on the I test for two. You got it. Thanks so much. We'll see you then.